Welcome to the Sober Yoga Girl podcast with Alex McRobbs, international yoga teacher and sober coach. I broke up with booze for good in 2019, and now I'm here to help others do the same. You're not alone, and a sober life can be fun and fulfilling. Let me show you how. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Sober Yoga Girl. I am super excited for this episode. This is actually the first time I've ever had two guests on at once, Um, but they come as a duo, Alex and Lisa. They are the co-hosts of Be Sober, and they are based in the UK, and I am super happy to have you here and hear more about your sober journey, both of your sober journeys. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having us on. Yeah. How's it going? It's good. Yeah, we're all so excited, but also a little bit nervous as well, because it's been a while since we've been interviewed. Um, Well, I say that we were interviewed last week, but it's been a while since we've been interviewed by somebody we don't know very well. So it's it's exciting for us as well. It's a nice change. Who interviewed us last week? Shana. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I forgot we'd done that. I'm sat there like, what is she talking about? But yeah, (laughs) I'm like, this is the first one we've done in ages. But Shane is one of our ambassadors and like quite close friends as well. So it didn't didn't feel like an interview. It felt like a chat, like a Zoom coffee. Like a friend hangout. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, I'm super excited to have you here. Um, And I was wondering if we could start off, if you could just give us a bit of context into who you are, kind of what your sort of life story, I guess, uh, per se has been. (laughs) You've got a few hours. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to need them. (laughs) So I guess the the thing is um, Lisa and I have been best friends for over 30 years. We met Mm -hmm. as children. Our parents were drinking friends and friends from the pub industry they both ran pubs at the time and we were just kind of thrown together as teenagers having never met and said there you go off you go make friends with each other which was awkward anyway as a teenager but more awkward because Lisa's Lisa's quite socially awkward sorry Lisa was quite socially awkward Lisa was quite socially awkward not anymore she's an amazing sober bee now but um, yeah it was quite socially awkward and had social anxiety and looking back I think we both had a bit of that um, but yeah, we were thrown together and we had a pretty much what we considered normal teenage friendship. It was very close very quickly, wasn't it, Lise? Yeah, definitely. And I think the drinking started pretty much as soon as we met. <laughs> yeah. I think because we were thrown together through them kind of circumstances, it was just so normal to us. Drinking was absolutely normal it's what everybody did that we knew so when we met through our parents drinking it was just kind of an obvious thing that we would eventually do together anyway experimenting as teenagers meant that we have been drunk together a lot (laughs) (laughs) a heck of a lot yeah we kind of started smoking together we started drinking together we kind of discovered boys around the same time um so yeah it was normal for us like Lisa said I don't think we knew anyone that was fully sober because our parents worked and owned pubs worked in and owned pubs so everybody we ever spoke to was probably quite drunk um so it didn't seem abnormal for us to join in at all but we had to join in secretly because we would have been absolutely in so much trouble if our parents had found out well you're saying that my parents actually took oh, yeah. me for, they said if I was going to drink then I should do it properly yeah. so from a really early age I was like 14 and I got dropped off wow. at a pub 
um with another friend and like got told how to walk into it how to confidently ask for a drink so i didn't get asked for id now i know i can see your face like wow that was so normal (laughs) to me as a teenager i remember going in thinking right i'll ask for half a lager like going in two halves a lager please i'd practiced and practiced and then sat down and had like conversations pretending that we had our own house and stuff you know like sat at the table as if we was older so I think even looking back drinking was normal to my parents as well so they didn't see that as wrong they saw it as teaching me how to do it in a sensible way well can I say that didn't work (laughs) so (laughs) so yeah I mean similarly I suppose I was allowed to have red wine with a meal and if you're going to drink drink in the house but I think the kind of drinking that we did that was like bottles they had something called white lightning cider and oh yeah (laughs) and thunderbirds blue and it was just the most disgusting it was disgusting anyway the taste of alcohol when you first try it it's like it takes you makes you go doesn't it but this was really disgusting this was like petrol um And so we became really good at being loud and socialising and being confident and thinking we could dance and all of those things. By the time we were 18, we were really experts at it, complete experts at it. And then kind of life goes on and we we got married, not to each other, we got married. (laughs) (laughs) Um, People often think that though. So it happens quite a lot. We got asked, we were at an event the other week, one of the Be Sober events, and as we sat there, one of um, the girls that came, she was like, so are you two a couple? And we're like, oh, no, no, we're not, we're not. (laughs) As much as we have our domestics and as much as we plan each other's lives and shopping lists, no, we're not. Just friends. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, we we kind of, um, we got married, we had children, we moved separately, and then... We were fairly settled in our lives, so our drinking then would be kind of, you know, the kids in bed, a few glasses of wine at night, and it would be normal, separate lives going on. And I guess really for me, and I think for Lisa as well, the turning point for both of us was in our very, very late 20s, early 30s, where we kind of, the children were old enough to get babysitters. Both of our marriages were on the rocks at the same time, and we kind kind of took off exactly where we'd left off with a vengeance and we parted really really hard all the way through our breakups um i I don't remember the first five years of my 30s really and that's genuine it's like a bit of a blur of drinking and going out and partying and then being a mum in the week and working and living this kind of double life you know and and you were the same weren't you lisa with your double life yeah it's giving me anxiety thinking about it (laughs) it actually honestly it really really is because like alex said when we'd like I had my first art when I was 19. So drinking pretty much stopped for me then. I just became a mum. It was all I'd ever wanted to do when I was growing up. I wanted a family and children. And so I was just in my element of like living this family life. So then at 30, when that kind of ended, it shocked me to the core. And like Alex says, I've just went right back to before I'd had my daughter and thought I was 18 again, which was wild. <laughs> yeah. And so it went for about 10 years. 
Yeah. Um, and I think there's there's not there's not much kind of high and low in there. There was various dramas in our own lives. We both got remarried. Um we I had another baby, so I had a baby quite late at 37. We just um, pop in that I actually remarried um an alcoholic. I met him. Yeah, don't just pop that in. That's not a big point actually. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was kind of, I'd become single and the weekends when the kids were, were at the dad's that I saw that as my free time right. and I felt like I deserved this free time and I deserved to go out with my friends and get drunk and I ended up kind of meeting my second husband in a party situation. Right. Um, which then meant that our whole relationship revolved around right. alcohol, really. So that kind of made it worse. So whereas I wouldn't ever drink in the week before, I was a binge drinker. Um, and quite prided myself on binge drinking and how good I was at it. Drinks started to creep in in the week. So I'd found that I was kind of drinking to be on the same level as my husband then at the time. I never really realised he was an alcoholic until until the end really but yeah just thought I'd whiz that one in go on Alex so is that in so and my my husband wasn't a drinker at all like you know he could literally take it or leave it but he loved food so I was quite manipulative I used to bring him home a takeaway and I'd have a bottle of wine so that he didn't question my wine drinking and again it would just be weekend but it was a lot of the weekend you know it'd be Friday Saturday very rarely Sunday and I would get the most always throughout my entire life I've got the worst hangovers they were like debilitating hangovers I don't think I don't think anyone has hangovers like I had them they were awful weren't they Lisa just like awful not enough to put me off not that I think people do I think you were just loud about your hangovers like most people (laughs) that really hungover feel like I used to be sick the next day so sick um but I'd like have hair of the dog and think oh, I'll sort myself out with a couple of drinks, you know, on a Sunday. Whereas Alex would like make noises all day with her hangover. <laughs> like, oh, oh, and it really was. And I'd crawl around on all fours and like and be hunched over. And it, yeah, it was just, ooh, it was just disgusting. Anyway, um, fast forward a little bit and go back three and a bit years. And I get a phone call, right? I get this like random phone call on a hangover morning we both had a hangover always we used to phone each other up and go oh guess what I did last night and then we go it's all right I did this and that's how we just carried on being stuck because one of us would have always done something worse there were never major things it was just things we'd have said or people we'd have met and oversharing and oh ending up in random kitchens for Lisa that she talks about and then me texting people and just you know those cringy moments but I never had anxiety over it I just didn't care. Whereas Lisa would be really crippled with anxiety. So she'd phone me up and instantly I'd make her feel better. And then she'd be like, it's okay. We're all right. Well, I say instantly, she'd still have anxiety until about Wednesday. It fed into my daily life. I never realised that I was constantly anxious. And it was it was coming from the weekends. I, like, I wouldn't answer my phone. If I didn't recognise the number, I wouldn't answer my phone. But And I'd, I'd build it up to be a really big thing. Like, even making a dentist appointment would, like, I'd have to really deep breathe and think about wow. ringing the dentist. And I never, ever connected that that was to do with my weekend right. drinking. Like, why would you? But it absolutely yeah. was. Like, I'm quite happy to, well, not happy to make a dentist appointment, but... <laughs> 
you don't get anxiety over it though, do you? I don't get anxiety. Well, yeah, wow. that was the wrong thing to use because actually I do. You don't like the dentist, so yeah. But normal stuff, normal. Yeah. So, yeah. so I was kind of no no anxiety around my drinking whatsoever. And I didn't even know I had anxiety. But when Lisa stopped drinking, she realised she didn't have anxiety at all. And when I stopped drinking, I realised I actually had a diagnosed, I got a mental health condition diagnosed, which was anxiety. So obviously I was numbing mine and not even realising. Wow. So yeah, that, around that time, I get this phone call, right? And she just goes, uh, I'm, I'm quitting drinking. I was like, what? Oh, oh yeah, all right. You know, like, oh, okay. But I also know Lisa and I know when she says she's doing something, she just does it. Right. So I then was like, oh, who am I going to drink with whilst trying to be like the best friend I could be and going, oh, that's really good. How long are you doing it for? You know, like, it's like oh, just a hundred days. And I'm thinking, God, a hundred days, that's ages. Can't adding up when I'd be able to go out with the next, you know, like that yeah. kind of thing. But anyway, then, yeah, tell, tell your hundred day journey because... Well, it started, like Alex said, with a, a massive hangover. My weekend had started to really, really take over my life. My children, by this time, were teenagers, and they were actually going wild. Um, and what I was doing, instead of showing up and being the parent that I should be, I was going out at the weekend and trying to numb everything out that was happening in my home life. I was like, oh, I need a break from all this trouble that they're putting me through. I was overshare with people telling people stuff that didn't need to know I was going also through a marriage breakup with my um husband the alcoholic one <laughs> at this point so everything had just gone to can I swear it had just gone to shit everything had just gone to shit and I was lying there on a Monday morning I couldn't bear to go into work and I work with um me and my mum work together so it's our own business and I couldn't even get up to go to work. I fell ill and I just had enough. I just had enough of being this person that, that, that I wasn't. I was going out and think like being the party animal and saying that I'm going to do all these things. And I've always been quite spiritual and I love things like that. And I love nature. And then I'd have all these big ideas while I was drinking and then I wouldn't do anything about them. I'd just get up, hate myself for speaking of such things and want to die of anxiety the day after. And I just, I was tired. I was tired of going to people's stupid kitchens, like people I didn't even know sat in the kitchen, drugs on the table that I'd never, ever dream of taking had I not had a drink. And um, yeah, I just had enough. And like Alex says, I rang her on that morning. I was like, I have had enough. Somebody had told me about a book, which was Catherine Gray's Unexpected Joy of Being Sober. And this particular person I used to work, I was um, a health and nutrition consultant and one of the members from my group had gone on holiday and she was doing 100 days sober and I was absolutely shocked. Like, how can somebody do this? 100 days? They've gone on holiday and they've not even had a drink. I was like, who are these people that do such a thing? And I, I wanted to be like that. I wanted to be confident and to be able to do it so that was it I was like right I'm gonna do a hundred days and I'm just gonna see what it's like I'm gonna see who I am because I've lost myself I'm gonna show up and be the parent that I need to be when I need to be picking the kids up I'm gonna be ready to do it and that was kind of like my drive behind it I just 
lost myself and wanted to find out who I was without alcohol because it was such a big part of my identity and that's kind of where it started and you know what from the from the first week I loved it I'd like I'd read this book I thought oh my gosh I'm not on my own there's other people like this I found like Facebook groups realized that there was like so many other people like this I really wasn't on my own um and that was a massive massive help to me but I also really struggled with loneliness in the beginning i found it a really really lonely place because nobody understood why i was doing it everybody thought i was stupid there was like really yeah whatever whatever so all these people that i thought were my friends and i don't mean you in this bit alex i'm really oh, sorry no, i did think it i just didn't say it but but all these people they just didn't have any faith in me like what kind of person am i where people don't think i can stop drinking for a hundred days and in fact who am I where they actually don't want to spend time with me while I'm not drinking? Like, am I that boring, sober? And it really messed with my head, like really, really messed with it. So I did a lot of work about like kind of sitting with myself. Like the weekends were were forever to begin with. They seemed so, so long. And I would just sat there like, um, no, obviously they fly by, but it, it was quite... There was a lot of work to be done on myself, I think, within that 100 days. And um, Alex was one of the only friends that actually did believe in me, hence she's still about. <laughs> I did believe in her and I did support her, but honestly, I had the same thoughts inside. I think just what set me aside from her other friends was that I wasn't going to voice it. I wanted to, I wanted to be a supportive friend. Yeah. I really hoped she wouldn't do it. Deep down, I hoped she'd fail. Right. I hoped she would come back to being a party animal with me because I had no one else to do it with now. And what then happened, because I wasn't doing that with Lisa, is I started to see that not everybody in my life was doing this either. So the people, I, when I would say, oh, we all go out, I, I wasn't going out with all anybody. I was socialising with my husband's family who enjoyed right. a drink with us on a weekend. Um, and, and because then they would literally just have a few drinks on a weekend, that was my opportunity to really, really binge. Now, in the meantime of all this, and I guess this is where it gets a little bit complicated, Lisa had set up Be Sober Manchester with two other girls because she had to find a social circle. She had to find a life outside of drinking friends. One, because they'd all buggered off and left her, and two, because I was still drinking. So she made these friends. And I remember her telling me, oh, I'm setting up this group, Be Sober Manchester, and actually thinking, oh, two things went through my head. Oh, that sounds dull, you know, like, <laughs> number one. And number two is, hmm, I'm not going to be allowed to go to this. I don't like this. I felt sorry for myself. And I, I made it really obvious that she wasn't allowed to go. So she, like I did, I was so excited about it. And she was like, like should I go to them events? And I'm like, like absolutely not there's loads of stuff for drinkers there is nothing for us sober people so she was like <laughs> but she knows me as well and knows that i like to be in everything so she knew straight away she'd started to sow some seeds i don't know whether it was deliberate or not but i'm gonna pretend it wasn't who knows <laughs> um but anyway in the meantime then i had some personal tragedies going on so lisa's life's all coming up and looking good and it was looking good on the outside and it was doing well on the inside I then unfortunately suffered a miscarriage back in October 2018 and at this point my drinking was pretty heavy I would say Friday Saturday night still 
but a lot more than I ever had. And my face, I would get really, really red cheeks, really hot. And I started to notice that the colour of my face wasn't great. Um, so I, although there were no other physical signs, that was one. I'd get really hot and I'd have terrible hangovers. And I would sit there after a drink, after, particularly after I'd had the miscarriage, I would sit there and get really bitter and twisted about everything. So I'd go back over my childhood and start looking at the traumas that happened there and really kind of dramatise them and make them worse than they were. They were pretty bad. They didn't need making worse anyway. But I would go back over them and over them and over them and be resentful and horrible. And then I would take that resentment out on my husband. So what would start out as a nice night would always end up with me saying I hate you and just being really obnoxious and not very nice then I'd wake up in the morning be all apologetic and so it would begin again and it got to about six months after the miscarriage and I really was at a mental health rock bottom by this point I'd been diagnosed with depression and anxiety I was hating my life I wished I wouldn't wake up in the morning I couldn't find anything to be grateful for and the only thing that would kept me clinging on and not being you know, so that far down, there was no return, was only things, my family, my husband, my children, Lisa. And we went for a walk just after my birthday in the May. And I just said, I'm, I'm, I can't, I'm, I'm fed up. I just cannot do any more. And, and I was questioning her about um, a drinking. She'd been to my birthday party, say party, a few drinks, and was sober. And straight away, I was like really inquisitive about that. And I wanted to know how it felt and how she was in a really positive way. And I felt my mind turn. And she was just like, you're going to stop drinking. I know you are. And then two weeks later, after the final straw with a hangover and uh, incident on the evening that resulted in my wedding ring being smashed into pieces and just not very nice things <laughs> I took a little video of myself going oh <laughs> making my noises oh I am never doing this again and I sent it to Lisa and that was two and a bit years ago wow. and from that here we are both sober two years and two months on in total collectiveness and Lisa's just over three years so you know, of course, be, sorry, and no, because like Be Sober, which started as Be Sober Manchester, um, has completely evolved into just Be Sober now. So we've got like the podcast, um, but it's become a, a huge global kind of non-profit community organisation where there's events being held all around the world. We've got a coaching team, a counselling team, like it's it's just gone it's wild, massive. hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. But nobody now has to be on their own and feel like that loneliness in in the beginning, which which we we did. Isn't that a long story? I know, sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Alex. You like, asked us a question. We just went boom and boom, boom. half of it. <laughs> I love it, though. I love it. And I see how, you know, I said prior to this interview, I was like, I've never had two people on the show. I don't know how it's going to go. I want to have, like, space for both of your sober journeys. And I see why you say, no, 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 we're good as one because it's it's one story that starts way from so young and it's so intertwined and so like it's one journey and it's I think it's really amazing that you guys as two best friends were able to go through that and and come to this point together like how many people in the world have this like you know not me oh, <laughs> like, it's no it's incredible it's incredible because like 
you know, I'm, I'm actually, I'm here. I'm not in my home right now. I'm here at, uh, staying for the weekend at one of my good friends places. And I haven't seen him in six years, but he was my drinking buddy, you know? And it's like, he's amazing. He's so amazing. But like, and it was like old times, like we got together last night and I had my alcohol free beer and he had his beer, but like, I don't have anyone that has been through the journey, like side by side with me. And I think that's really amazing that you guys, that you guys have that. It's really great. We're dead lucky, aren't we? We are. And I think the thing that we bring that's maybe a bit different is because Lisa has got, she did it on her own at the beginning. Yeah. She understands anyone who's doing it on their own. Yeah. Whereas I understand what it means to be able to lean on somebody for support because I, every time I had a problem or, you know, I remember at the very beginning being really forgetful. Like really forget yeah. and I remember phoning Lisa up going, Oh my god, is this normal? I can't remember anything that I'm doing. And she was like, Yeah, I remember going through that. It's absolutely <laughs> fine. Right. You'll come out of it in a few weeks. And of course I did. Um right. the the downside was I bored the hell out of her because I kept saying, um, Oh, you want to read this book? And she's like, Yeah, 12 months ago. 12 months ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done that, done that. <laughs> <laughs> she did. She'd tell me stuff that I'd read, and like I suppose I'd kind of evolved a little bit at that point. And right. I was like, I was trying to be really supportive, but also like, yeah, I know. <laughs> she, she was like recommending books, like, oh, try and read this, Alex. Try and read The Universe Has Your Back, right? So I tried that. I just wasn't there. I just wasn't there. Now I could no, do that now, but I was so far away. So I love that kind of... book, by the way. <laughs> I, I love Oh, I might re-listen to that because I think I might. I've not tried it. I read that was just like the on a part of that book. I'm going off now, but she says just try it for one day. Just imagine that for one day that whatever happens is meant to be. The universe has your back, and I remember the pressure. I could literally feel it come off my shoulders when yeah. I read it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do that every day. Yeah. It was what an amazing book that is. Yes. I think I'll read that now. I reckon I'm ready now. Yeah, you could be ready for that now. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell me what happens in it because I've, I've forgotten now. So I'll allow you that. <laughs> so you mentioned the start of Be Sober. So it began as Be Sober Manchester and it was in-person events in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so now it's evolved to this global community. Like, tell me more about that. Wow, where do we even start with that? It was an accident, first of all. That's where we start. Being Be Sober was an accident. So just to kind of fill in a gap, while Lisa's got Be Sober Manchester going with these two other girls, I wanted involving in something. And of course... I didn't know the other two and I felt a little bit out of it and it wasn't going to be, by then it was a little bit of a venture for them. So I said, oh, why don't we do um, some emails for people that support them to get sober in the first 30 days? We'll do what we did. So we set up the sober experiment. And mm. what we wanted to do was go out to workplaces and talk to rehab centres and do the support side of it and support people. So Lisa's got a foot in the sober section with the other two. And then the sober experiment, which was supporting people and doing workplace and rehab talks with me. Fast forward, because the middle bit's a little bit dull, but we ended up merging all of that, just me and Lisa together. And that's how it started as Be Sober, which now has workplace talks, rehab talks, wow. coaching, membership, wow. um, podcast. What am I missing? 
Um, so we have like sober lounges as well. So, um, a lot of things, we'd love them to be in person eventually everywhere. But obviously with everything that happened through the pandemic, it's been a really good opportunity for us actually to kind of create these lounges for people to go to. And they are amazing. People are really connecting and making friends and meeting each other. We've got ambassadors now from all over. We've just got, um, we've got an ambassador in Australia so we've got Visa over Australia and we've just had a, another lovely lady join us in Texas so um and, and then Scotland with honestly it's just a vol it's just fantastic and all these guys do it they're all voluntary they do it on a voluntary role and they're holding these dropping sessions they create in real life events lots of our ambassadors have trained as um professional coaches now because we've also got the side we've got a be sober academy so people can become a be sober qualified coach and we can get them accreditation um we've just kind of We've tried to cover everything. We have covered everything. It's about, I'm just, just thinking that when you said, but yeah. Texas, Australia, as far north as Edinburgh and as far south as Cornwall. So yeah. I think there's 24 ambassadors was our last count, plus us. And then a coaching team of seven. So wow. it's getting pretty big. Um, and these and guys are doing like lounges for, you know, they specialise in different subjects as well. So we've got like our Manchester ambassador that specialises with women who have suffered with sexual trauma. So she holds a lounge around that. And then we've got our Bristol one that does a men only group. Um, we've got, a, got another lady that covers like binge eating. Menopause. Um, yeah, menopause. So we've, yeah, we're just like... We've got too many pies for our fingers, which is why our um, ambassadors are, are so like, we appreciate them so much. That's incredible. You know, I had no idea how huge Be Sober was. I think we got connected through a guest that you had on your show, I think. I'm trying to remember how we got connected originally. But I can't remember, wow. but you and I ended up talking somewhere. Yeah, I don't know where. The universe oh, had our back. Instagram. The universe had our back. But I had thought that you, I had thought Be Sober was just a podcast. I had no idea how, <laughs> how huge it is. That's incredible. Yeah, it's massive. And it's getting bigger all the time, which is why the biggest thing we pride ourselves on is our human connection. Yeah. And that genuinely, and I am, no, I am saying this there is not another group that will offer the level of connection that we can offer. There is because we've got, we're very personal in there. We speak to members every single day, but then with the 24 ambassadors also getting everybody's back, checking on slip ups, checking on anyone who might need a little bit of extra support. Um, on top of the events thing as well, the events are still going. So wherever there's an ambassador, there's a live event regularly plus we've got these online events so we just we, you know we've got um coaching workshops we've got hypnotherapy going on at the moment in the group we have a book club it's honestly I've, I've, i'm just remembering some of these things now it's massive it just the ambassadors will say oh do you, here's another one do you mind if i make some jewelry and do a jewelry jewelry sale and don't donate all the money to the be sober community fund we're like no so we had a jewelry sale two nights ago it's just it's constantly new things and, and evolving and our biggest worry i think or one of our biggest worries is that we wouldn't be able to appeal to younger people or men um because we're two 40 odd year old women but 
be sober men as evolved run by men as well and then we've also got a young ambassador who's set up a group called burn that sh- burn that sh- right mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> that's for millennials so we really are kind of capturing anybody who wants to join i think we've got members up who are almost 70 and as young as 23 yeah. 24 now and i think even though the group's growing this is what we've said isn't it from the beginning and it's always always going to be on the top of our priorities is that nobody ever feels on their own so even though the group is growing we still have that really intimate feeling about it which is so some of the drop-in lounges they're they're not ram packed with people you'll go on there might be three or four people in there you might go on another one like the Thursday ones for members only so that's kind of a bigger one where everybody's now got to know each other but we try and make them available so like we did have a particular lady who was really struggling we've got a big free Facebook group that anybody can join and she was really struggling and she'd reached out on the group and she was like I don't know what to do I'm struggling somebody said hop on there's a lounge now hop on and she's like doing incredible it's so nice she's ended up becoming a member but she's but because that lounge was available for that one person that day it's been actually life-changing and that's what we want to keep at it one person matters and we really want to keep that intimacy and we can because of the ambassadors yeah they are honestly the heart of Be Sober. We actually say that when we recruit, we actually say our ambassadors are the heart of Be Sober. And they are. We would not be B. We would not we lo- be. We, oh, we love like B. We love B stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we like, Welcome to the hive. Stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, we are. We want a hive in your area. Yeah, we, we are quite bad. B kind. We're buzzing. <laughs> look we're doing it but it's not good but yeah we can be we can actually be that because of the ambassadors so um yeah it's just it's such an adventure and i think that's the thing that is is so amazing we're still really and i can't imagine it ever going away we're still really excited because every day there's something new or a new member or a new idea or a new perspective and it's just our journey is just it just gets better and better and better all the time doesn't it and of course we're so accountable there's no way either of us could slip now we just we disappoint like five thousand people (laughs) (laughs) we have said though can you imagine if we just went out and got absolutely smashed everybody would be like what are you doing we'd never do that we don't need to we don't want to but imagine if we did eh? it would be funny bad and funny You know, I actually have had, um, so I do sober coaching as well and I run my little sober community and I actually have had a drink in the time that I've been sober. I have not gotten drunk, but I was at a staycation in a hotel actually the night before I started a new group program. And I like kept it a secret for so long because I was like, this is going to make me a fraud. And then I finally posted about it on Instagram and I actually think it made me like more relatable to people that are going through it. Right. Because most people's journey is not like I had one day where I was like, okay, I'm sober now. And I just quit cold Turkey and and I was sober for the whole year. And then it was like, I had a drink along the way after I was already a year sober. Um, but most people's journey is not that black and white, right? If most people have little, uh, slips along the way. So anyway, I'm not, I'm not encouraging you to go out and drink, but if you did have a drink, I think people would still, you know, would, um, 
would still look up to you and value you for all the, it doesn't negate all of this incredible project that you've built. We still share our struggles because, you know, as much as we absolutely love sobriety and Mm -hmm. I'm grateful every single day for choosing this way of life, I genuinely am. And things are pretty much amazing because I chose it. But that doesn't obviously mean that everything is rosy and pink, fluffy clouds. You know, we do do have our days where we really do struggle. Um, I can honestly say I don't ever really feel like I I would actually take a drink, but I can definitely sense the times that I would have drank to cover something up. Um, But we've gotten pretty good at sharing with our members, haven't we? We share when it's tough because we're human. And, you know, we we are. We're going to have tough times. It might cross our minds sometimes. And I think we, we try to keep it as real as possible. Yeah. You taught me out of a situation once, didn't you? I'm sure yeah. something. I was in the car, wasn't I? And I was going. I was yeah. going to go. And she taught me down. But that was that was within the first year of my. Said journey. she were fired if she did. <laughs> <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> How dare you have a mistake? No, she didn't. She didn't. Um, but yeah, I'd, 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 I can't remember what had happened now. But I was very close. Um, but I think only the once. And like Lisa now, I can see times when I would be triggered. I can see times yeah. when I would choose to drink if I was still a drinker. Yeah. Um, but that just makes me more aware of, you know, what I don't need. Because, and I'm, I know it's the same for Lisa, because if you're thinking, oh, I want a drink now, then you're not dealing with whatever it is. Totally. So that's kind of a bit of an alarm, isn't it? To right, see what's going on here, check in and deal with that issue whatever it is and once you've dealt with it the craving pretty much goes away anyway right yeah absolutely so when you talk about these lounges are they like zoom rooms like what is in okay so it's like a an hour-long session that's led by an ambassador or what would that be like yeah so the we, we have quite a few that are run by ambassadors. They're literally drop-in lounges, so you can just drop in. They kind of put a theme around them, like they have a Happy Friday one, don't yeah. they? Um, yeah, Happy Hump Day and Feel Good Friday. Yeah, stuff like that. And then the Thursday ones are more a little bit more structured. They're really around getting to know people. So although it's a, a bigger Zoom session, we go into breakout rooms. Okay. So we always have like a topic of conversation. So um, And the breakout rooms only hold like three to four people in them. Okay. So you can really, really get to know each other. Yeah. And what's beautiful about this is you're watching people kind of connect on the zooms they go in these breakout rooms and then the next thing they, they're like taking pictures with each other because they've met up and gone out and, and then, created these friendships and honestly i'd be lying if i didn't sit there like i'll ring gal it's like oh, have you seen them two they're friends now we've actually had our first be sober relationship they've moved oh, yeah. in together we've even had a first wow. be sober love yeah oh, that is true. that's amazing what's funny what's funny is lisa will actually say to them don't worry if the people in your room do you Reading, you're getting put into a new room soon, so don't worry if they bore you. You'll be with someone else in a minute. <laughs> it's true, though. We always like shake it up, but yeah, they, they're dead good. They love them. It's really, really good. That's amazing. Cool. I'd be so interested in checking that out. Um, to one. Yeah, I would love to. They're so, on the website for anyone to book. So if you go on the website and you go on to the What's On, there's a you can book any of the drop-in lounges and pop along to them. 
We'd love to yeah. send you a link for a Thursday one, Alex. Please and you can do. See what the Thursday one's like. Yeah. That would be amazing. And I'll share um, in our episode description like any links that you guys have on how to book into those lounges because I bet my community would be super interested in that as well, too. Oh, oh thank, thank you. you so much. I love doing stuff like this. Make sure you tell us what we can share. Yeah. And be tagging us in things so we can share it. Well, you do sober yoga, don't you? Yeah. So, so my community is like a Zoom based community as well. And, um, we do, we have a small group for our sober yoga classes, which have a maximum of 10 participants. And we do a check in. It's kind of like a pick up the talking stick, share how you're at. And then we go into the yoga practice. Um, so it's a, it's great. And then we do have uh, sober community circles as well. Um, we don't have anything like what you described, which is really cool because it's a little bit different with you guys in the little breakout rooms. I love that idea. Yeah. So it sounds like it would be really, there would be interest because they're kind of two different offerings in probably yeah. people in both. So Yeah, definitely. That would be great. Well, if you've ever fancy doing a yoga event, get in touch with I us and let us know. Because yeah, we, we can look, we can look at doing a yoga event. We've not had a yoga event yet, have we? No, and I should be good at yoga, you know, Alex. I feel like I'm the type that people assume that I do yoga, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I should, I should do that. <laughs> well, I'll send along the link. You guys will have to join. It would be amazing yeah, well, if you dropped into one of our sober yogas too. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, and get, but if you get too. in touch with Lisa about any event and stuff like that, that you, you've got it, yeah, let's get let's get you doing an event for Be Sober. Yeah, oh, amazing. <laughs> All right. So I have one last question for you guys. I'm wondering if anyone is curious about a sober journey, interested in starting, what would you say, um, what advice would you give to them? Do you want to go first, Lisa? Because I always nick yours. Yeah, you do. Um, I, I never prepare for things like this. Honestly, for me personally, it was reading and I'm not a big reader. So mm. audible and quickly and yes. just that thing of listening to people and knowing that you're not on your own is was massive for me so reading was a really really big thing and just seeing what (laughs) I know but just seeing it as an experiment you know just seeing what life who are you without it I think when you can ask that question you'll find some very good answers (laughs) yeah I think I think as well that with what Lisa's just said it's not fixing a forever label to it. So it's a lot easier to kind of digest that you're just going to try it out. But for me, weirdly, I feel like we've taken each other's here um, because for me, it's about surrounding yourself with people who are on the same journey. So finding the community that works for you. But I feel like that's what you would normally say. And I would normally say reading Lisa. Really? I think it's because we were talking before and we've just spoke about Gabby's book. And then like (laughs) the the first thing that I did was actually pick up the unexpected joy of being sober. So for me, that was like the 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 start of it. Yeah, maybe. So yeah, reading. Because I wouldn't have been able to surround myself in a community. Like we have people, you know, who come onto the lounges and they're like, right, I'm starting now. And they stop drinking the day before. And I think that is so brave because there is no chance like two days into sobriety, I'd have been looking for people to meet. I just wanted to be on my own, in my own bubble, just trying to Getting yeah. any anxiety. Yeah. yeah, yeah, literally just like that. We'd leave me alone, everybody. I didn't know who I were. I couldn't have gone to something like that. <laughs> can, 
can I just add something as well, Alex? Yeah. I think it's important, that, um, and I forgot to elaborate earlier, with my, with my anxiety and depression, I said that I found out afterwards, what I wanted to point out as well is that um, it's managed now by not drinking. I've not had to any medication for that. So even though it came out and it was peaked during my early sobriety, by just sticking with it and working through yeah. things sober, I've been able to find tools to manage it. And I didn't mention that earlier. I think it's really important. I didn't just get anxious because I stopped drinking and then I'm stuck as an anxious person. Right. I'm really not. It's almost gone <laughs> there were loads of times I was like will you just take your tablets and she's yeah. like no I'm going to work through it I'm like oh wow. we should just take them. yeah it took a long time I was like you know probably 18 months but I'm so glad I didn't didn't do it and I'm not suggesting for one minute that people shouldn't because I think it's really important yeah. if you if you recognizing sobriety that you have got a mental health condition the best thing I ever did was speak to my GP yeah. um, I know it's hard but just to reach out and speak to your GP is massively important yeah absolutely and you know there's so many people like I personally take mood stabilizers for my mood but there are so many people that I speak to along the way who have had mental health struggles while drinking and like you guys described, can never, don't realize the, the massive role that the alcohol is playing in that. Yeah. And, you know, the transition period for me, fortunately, it, it wasn't 18 months. It was a bit shorter of like a struggle, but it was definitely, you know, there were two weeks where I felt like my lowest with my mood. And, and yeah. like, as you say, you just have to keep going because it's your brain is kind of restabilizing all the different things, right? All the alcohol. And once it's removed, it's not going to be instant, like, you wake up on day one sober and you're like, okay, life is good. <laughs> like yeah. it takes time and for everyone, it's a different period of time. And so just like being consistent and being committed and, and keep, yeah, working towards it. Yeah. It's definitely doing the work. That's what, that's mm. what, in whatever area, it's not only about getting sober, that's just the start. Absolutely. It's that whole self-development. So yeah. that you actually yeah. want to do though. Cause I think that's something, you know, if somebody had said to me, about getting sober and then you've got to do all this work. I'd be like, oh, can't be bothered with all that. Yeah. But you actually, the first thing to do is get sober, isn't it? And then yeah. you find that you actually do want to put the work in, like, naturally. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Alex and Lisa, it was so nice to have you on the show. I am so happy we did this together as a duo because it was just so inspiring oh. to hear your story. And I really appreciate the time that you took to... Uh, to be on the show and uh, super looking forward to connecting and joining your events and you guys joining ours and kind of seeing how we can kind of collaborate in the sober world. I'd love to. And yeah, we can't, we can't wait, wait. you on our podcast. <laughs> yeah, there you go, twin seat. You have to have us together. We say the same thing. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Sober Yoga Girl with Alex McRobbs. I am so, so grateful for every one of you. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next one and leave a review before you go. See you soon. Bye.